What's going on, podcast listeners? This is some people here with you today. Back at Good Band, Bad Band, where we talk about two bands whose names kind of sound familiar, but most of the time sound totally different. This week, it's King Gizzard and the Jesus Lizard Wizards. Try saying that one five times fast. Who are you? Uh, this is Caleb. This is Tyler. I don't talk first. I know I you don't. I just thought if you did the intro, then it makes sense that you'd be the first one to say your name. But it is not quite. It is. It would be a little bit easier knowing there's only two people, so that you're the only other one to talk. But I don't care. I know, and but that and it's fine. It's fine. Anyways, yeah, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard and the Jesus Lizard Wizard. And here's the dilemma that I'm going to go ahead and address. Jesus lizard. Huh. The Jesus Lizard, not Lizard Wizard. Oh, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's fine. I made a mistake. It's a lot of words. You said it. Say that one five times fast. I'm going to get confused. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard and the Jesus Lizard dilemma that we come across. So there are three votes in a theoretical world of good band, bad band. Okay? Sure. And I will go ahead and tell you. We'll just get this one out of the way now. Nobody on our Patreon voted for King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard or the Jesus Lizard because they have not listened to them. These are not groups. No, one knows. no they, one's listened to any of it. Yeah, nobody – like this isn't something that most people would listen to. These, both of these – are. I mean King Gizzard is a little bit more like well-known in the music sphere of things. And I would say the Jesus Lizard is kind of well-known in maybe a music sphere. Uh, but for the most part, like casual listeners are not going to know these bands. No. So the only comment really was from David who just said, I think that you're making up names now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I think that that one's kind of out the window. And the problem he caught, is... He caught us, David. <laughs> Spoiler, everyone. This is the entire episode is made up. We actually wrote all the music that you'll be hearing today. We uh, wrote the screenplays of these characters' lives, and we're here to present them to you now. Uh, but here's the other issue is is that I you know we'll leave it this is this is actually the teaser I'm gonna give is that there's two ways this could go either you and I agree on King Gizzard you and I agree on the Jesus Lizard or we just have a straight up tie there's no other way to do it right so this is our like the one time where like it has to be a consensus or it's a tie maybe well sure I think one I think even if we vote separate I'm just gonna push you until you change your vote that's entirely possible and I think I know who you're gonna pick but I don't know that for sure I know who I'm going to pick already well I figured yeah but sometimes you get into the discussion and you're like I could be swayed yeah that's true but today I can't be swayed I've thought through it more than once yeah I mean we have with with the two week period now I feel like we have a little bit more time to think um but I will and this is this is what I will tell you so I did so let's let's get to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard because I have something that I want to tell you and I've been itching to tell you uh, for a little bit, okay? All right. So I don't know why I decided to do this. Um, but on Sunday, I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, you know, I like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And to, to tell a little bit of details about them, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard have been making albums for less than a decade now, right? First album yes. came out in like 2012. And in that time, they have released 17 albums. Mm -hmm. 17 albums in less than a decade is a ridiculous number. It's a lot of albums. They just they chunk out albums like they're nothing, and we'll talk about that, obviously. But here's the thing. is In honor of their prolific nature, I decided to listen to as much of their music as I could in the shortest amount of time that I could in the vein of a King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. So I said, 48 hours, how far can I get? How many King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard albums do you think I listened to in a 48-hour stretch of time? Keep in mind, 17. I worked two of those days, and I also had to sleep. 12. 14. That's pretty close. I Yeah, I listened to... Yeah, some of them are not very long, so they're like 30 minutes. 
Yes. Oddments is like 32 minutes. Yep. Oddments is one of the short ones. Uh, Paper Mache. Oh, gosh. Hold on. It's hard to remember. Paper Mache Dream Balloon. Thank you. It's 33 minutes. Thank you. It's hard to remember. None of them are really longer than 45 minutes or so. No, I think if I remember right, Master. uh, I think Murder of the Universe is their um longest and it's not even super long either no it's 40 it's 46 minutes so. yeah so for the most Depends part on it's, if you, it's, what you're it's counting easy. is albums uh i just went through the the typical discography so yeah. you know um from 12 bar brews up to the newest one so they actually had one that just came out we did not plan that we did not know they were going to drop lw uh when we decided to do this episode so it just kind of worked out that way so thanks right. king gizzard uh, but yeah, the only ones I didn't listen to were the ones I've already listened to like recently. So I didn't listen to Fishing for Fishies, Infest the Rat's Nest, or KG, but I've heard all three of them. So I have now officially heard every single King Gizzard album. So I listened to this. I listened to, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, six. I listened to six total and then a, like various songs from one, two, three four five six seven more and that's for this episode or just over like in your lifetime that's for this episode (laughs) i love that like on an average week you and i would be like yeah five songs is fine and then on this week we're like i don't know between six and 14 albums for just one of the groups the sound is their sound varies so much and and it is album to album and everyone knows it so you have to at least like you know, you have to at least like get in there and figure out what it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause that's that the, album. that's the difficult part with them is that like when you make 17 albums in your head, cause like, okay. So obviously I compare them in my head to like a contemporary, like OCs or the OCs or, you know, however right. you want to name it, but they've I mean, had a the, pretty consistent the, psych sound. Like they kind of do the same album fairly frequently. Um, the OCs. Well, yeah. the OCs don't vary. They don't, change much from they occasionally get into some thrash metal or some at least metalish stuff sure and they've definitely done some garage but, stuff too you know same same they, with like they're a mostly Tysical. garage psych yeah all of the garage psych stuff that king gizzard does is is the oc's type stuff mm-hmm. or some tame impala type stuff but better right well you know actually i could see how you would feel that way well, um way it goes and they're australian <laughs> they are australian that's true um but yeah the, like okay so the the most obvious one to me when, when did you get into them when did you first discover king gizzard i honestly don't know it, it, it must have been around the time i started buying records which would have been 2015 ish gotcha so it probably would have been maybe right around like a you know quarters or paper mache dream balloon or something like that mm-hmm. i know when i got into it was pretty much the same but i bought records like later than you I think I first started buying them in like actually no I think I did start buying them around fifteen or sixteen, uh, but I started frequenting the record stores a little bit more uh, around like yeah. seventeen. Um, yeah. But I it bought was like, my turntable in January of twenty fifteen. I know that and that's gotcha. when I started. I bought my first records in December of twenty fourteen. I could go back and figure out when my first records were, but I, you know, I don't have it memorized. I guess, but I just remember. I just remember the first three I bought. Yeah, because I, I went to the record store in anticipation. Gotcha. I know some of my, I think my first three were, uh, no, four. Yeah, first four were uh, Wide Awake It's Morning from Bright Eyes, uh, the self-titled from Fleet Foxes, debut from Father John Misty, and um, uh, it was the Iron and Wine album with a Shepherd's Dog. Shepherd's Dog. Uh, Those are the four. My first four. I know my first four as well. Look at us. Yeah. Weird. Mine were, uh, it was Fugazi Repeater. Of course. It was Modest Mouse. We were dead before the ship even sank. It's embarrassing that's the first one, but I didn't. I... That's one of the ones I didn't own yeah, at all. Yeah. I was wondering when you said Modest Mouse, my brain said it had to be Lonesome Crowded West, but it wasn't because I already owned it. I owned a CD of it, and I'm glad uh... I didn't because then when Isaac took control of it, when he got control of all the music on Glacial Pace and reissued it as a double, uh-huh. I bought that. So, ah, plus it was hard to find because of that. A lot of those were difficult to find because they weren't being re they weren't reissued right. until Isaac took control of the music and did it on glacial pace. So, right. That's one that was there. So I bought it. Um, 
Black Keys Rubber Factory. Gotcha. And let's see, it was Emergency and I by Dismemberment Plan. Oh, that's a pretty good one, yeah. I feel yeah. like those those make sense for us, especially for me. Like I know like the style of music that I was into when I first started buying records. Because it wasn't as eclectic as listening to you know, the kind of stuff that I do now, or a King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard who we're talking right. about. But yeah, the first one that I got into was when uh, Murder of the Universe got released on vinyl. I don't know what it was that made me kind of album in particular, but that was my first one. And then I realized at that time, because this is when I was getting kind of more into music around this time, is that I realized that they were going to be releasing five albums that year. And I said, mm-hmm. I should keep an eye out on this one and see how this goes. <laughs> so I listened to be- Flying Microtone of Banana, which is a fascinating album. Uh, listen to Murder of the Universe. And then I kept up from there and what, listened to Sketches of Brunswick East. Uh, Polygon Wanaland. Did I say that yep. right? I think so. I'm proud of myself. And then Gumboot Soup. So I listened to all those, and I just kept following them. But I don't think, honestly, I don't think I've ever gone back and listened to any of the full projects from 2012 through 2016. I don't think. I probably heard songs. I knew I had heard Hot Wax. Um, But I don't know. I don't know if I've listened to any of the other full projects. Some of them I didn't expect. So, like, did you look into uh, Eyes Like the Sky? No, I, I did not listen to that one. Uh, it was my least favorite. It was very strange. So I I, I knew it was different because it was. Yeah. I listened to part of Willoughby's Beach and part of Twelve Bar Brews. Twelve Bar Brews is pretty good, actually. I liked it. They're both pretty good. I mean, that's the sound. I don't. You can't make me feel bad about those. I like Psych Garage. Yeah, a lot. You know, and it's the sound I want to emulate. So you know, sure, whatever. But. <clears throat> No, I think they pull because I mean, like in 2012, you know, this is around when like OCs and Tyler uh, Ty Segal were kind of starting to become right. prolific. So I imagine they must have taken heart with them to some degree, but they obviously amped it up to uh, uh, 300. You know, like well, yeah, um, turn it turn it up to 11. Yeah, oh, they did. They just oh, they changed. Did. They're just a bigger outfit. Their focus was more. Ty Segal and the OCs are more. Kind of like the garage aspect. Yeah. And they're kind of more the pop that comes along with it. Sure. And, you know, what we see in early Gizzard is more the psych aspect. Right. I mean, the psych is a little bit lower on the 12 bar bruise, but there's definitely obviously psych in there. But it's more garage mm-hmm. in my mind. Eyes Like the Sky, though, is a uh, like a spaghetti western album. Oh, yeah. I remember. It's a... It's narrated as well i didn't yes. listen to it i wish i had because when i was reading about it, i was like it was it was a fascinating listen but it certainly was not like something i'd ever go back on it doesn't feel like I a probably, king gizzard album i probably would like it honestly because i like that kind of feel maybe i doesn't it doesn't really like uh maintain any of the psych feeling to it it just feels like an album that just happened to have been performed by king gizzard oh, yeah. and lizard wizard i'm listening so. to some of the the opener and title I can kind of hear you listening to it. It's, it's funny. My, it's, that's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that because it's like uh, I like the spaghetti western stuff. That's fair. That's where I first started to really decide that I had a, a really deep interest in surf rock is because oh. the spaghetti western stuff is just slightly it's just surf rock uh, kind of presented a little differently. I would say you're probably right about that. That's a yeah. fair way to look at that. Where that uh, came from yeah. for me was I was it was in Cincinnati. I went to Northside Tavern in Northside uh-huh. on Fridays and sometimes Saturdays, what have you, to listen to music at Northside Tavern. And there was a band, a Cincinnati band called Jake Logan and the Midnight Riders that I saw, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of stuff they did. They did spaghetti westerny oh. type stuff. He had a big like semi hollow guitar or even a full hollow body. It depends. He switched off with a a nice Bigsby tremolo and he was kind of playing some surfy type stuff. And they had a guy playing trumpet, a trumpeter guy playing uh-huh. over top of him and upright bass. It was pretty cool. I like those guys. I really like going to see them. Huh? Interesting. So that's my thing. That'll be the album that you don't like that. I like, I mean, <laughs> it's not that I didn't like it. It's just that it didn't feel like a gizzard album, but so you've listened to enough then. So, you know, what would be your favorite, like overall King Gizzard album? Like if you were to say, this is the album I would push you to go to, which one would it be? I don't, I'm really not sure you could say that. I think I would say 
what do you what kind of stuff yeah and then when you tell me that i could push you to it because that's fair the discography ranges from various things yes because they have we'll just go through it yeah go for it um really quickly so with the earlier stuff is a lot more the ocs type stuff i'm in your mind fuzz is still i'm in your mind fuzz is like an ocs album almost it really is yeah and to a certain degree nonagon infinity has some of that too but obviously well, yeah, but it's know. more cinematic and it's yeah. it, it, it it's a con it's conceptual. They have and a lot Paper of concepts, Mache, but please go ahead. Yeah, Paper Mache Dream Balloon is a great album. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's super good. It's folk. It's like folk pop, really. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I should say this: the three people that I get from them is the OCs, yes. some Tame Impala, yes. and of Montreal. I could see that too. Actually, I could totally see some of Montreal, kind of like like sprinkled in there because of well, Montreal's definitely of got their... like the, cause there's a certain, a level of hook on some of these gizzard songs. They write a bunch of pop songs. Yeah. Like a, uh, like the oddments... entirety of paper mache dream balloon yes. is pop songs and they're all really good. Yeah. And they all sound like of Montreal, not in a bad way. Right. No, I agree with you on that. And even sketches of Brunswick East, even though it's supposed to be like an experimental jazz type album. Mm hmm is still really poppy. It's definitely got a lot of pop to it. Yeah. A lot of that comes from the the Miles High Club. Miles High? Mild High. Mild High, thank you. Sorry. The the Mild High Club. Thank you. Um who also it's kind of like a psych pop thing, you know? So they the yeah. collaboration because well, it's really just the one guy, but Fishing for Fishies is full of pop as well. There's quite a bit of yeah. There's some pop on fishing for so, fishies as well. If you like pop and you like of Montreal, because what is of Montreal? Is it psych pop? I don't know. It's kind of art pop almost. <sighs> a little bit of both of those, kind of here right. and there. So if that's the kind of world you live in, I would push you towards paper mache dream balloon and to begin with. Right, and then of and course then... flying microtonal banana, which I'm sure you could speak to as well. That one is playing with you know microtonality which they also right. then use on kg and lw their most two recent albums at this point in time right. um which like it sounds like because you know it's a non-western way to play music um yes. the way that the tonality sounds is you know not something that's really built for uh art instrumentation when it comes down to it like you know a piano is just strictly not built to play in microtonality and so they have to basically have all of these kind of Middle Eastern based instruments just kind of laying around now because uh, they in so fly, flying microtonal banana sounds almost kind of Middle Eastern in a lot of points. Right. So well, that, yeah, that one's a whole different to, layer, too. They had to find different instruments and tune everything to different tunings and mm -hmm. just roll with it from there. Yeah. But it's it's kind of in between. It kind of fits in there psych type world but it also has some pop elements to it which which one from flying microtone banana do you think is a good representation of both the pop end and also the um the kind of middle eastern-esque kind of sound because rattlesnake huh. doesn't really have like a pop feeling to it in my head but i'm trying to think of what would be a good example from that particular it's type. got the hook it's got the hooky bit you want to do the hooky bit from rattlesnake I mean, I'm just saying, like, Rattlesnake, it has the repetitive hook situation. Yeah. And then it goes into other weird stuff. That's true. So I, I don't think it's a bad representation. Well, that's why it's so popular. That's true. Well, let's just do Rattlesnake then. Who cares? This is uh, Rattlesnake. I do really like rattlesnake i'm glad yeah. we played that one An another good example though is uh like billabong valley is not a bad example either no i would agree with that yeah because it's kind of got a it's got a more traditional songwriting type feel to it and then just over halfway it like breaks into all of this instrumental stuff yeah that's clearly more foreign if you will right and then the other so this is that's the first one of the five series and i do want to talk more about murder of the universe so give me a moment to get there um, mm -hmm. as we get through the other ones, but murder of the universe is like this, like conceptual prog rock album, which 
has an amazing story that I do want to dic- dictate through this episode. Uh, Polygon Awanaland and Gumboot Soup are both a little bit more traditional, quote-unquote, uh, King Gizzard albums, I would say. Uh, and then yeah. F- Fishing for Fishies, like you said, has some pop to it. Go ahead, what were you going to say? I mean, the gum- Gumboot Soup kind of begins to play with some boogie-type stuff. It's definitely got some boogie in it as well, yeah. I agree and they begin to kind of do – they play with some of that a little bit. It, every album plays with something else. Yes. I wouldn't say there's – I couldn't I, – I would be hesitant to tell you that any of these albums are kind of a traditional or normalized King Gizzard album. That's why I put a big yeah. hard quote-unquote on there. Like, Because, like, so Polygon <laughs> Awana Land um, – because all of these really have a concept. That one, really the concept was the fact that they just straight up released it. Like they just said, hey, this belongs to everybody now. Like, um, so the way, what they did was, is they not, they didn't just like pull the, you know, uh, Radiohead in rainbows where they said, hey, pay whatever you want. They literally said, go press your own vinyl. Here's the, yeah, they, here's the vinyl tracks. Here's there the were no mixes. rights on it. Yeah, no, it's completely public domain. You do what you want with this album. There are like uh, hundreds, uh, like almost 200 different pressings of this record from almost 100 different record distributors because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? Right. Um, so that's really the biggest concept. But it's still, you know, I agree there's sonically something different still on every one of these albums, but that's kind of the main focus was the concept there. Um, right. So, yeah. But then, of course, uh, Fishing for Fishies, like you said, a little bit of pop in there as well. Uh, and then Infest the Rat's Nest is just a straight-up thrash metal album. Like, what the hell is this? Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty good, too. I like Infest the Rat's Nest. I think I don't dislike it. I think it's a good album, but, I mean, it's not... It, it, I, it's good. Sure. But uh, if I'm going to listen to thrash metal, I think I would I would look to something else to begin with. That's fair. And I think that that's sometimes the only real struggle King Gizzard has at times is that sometimes they will try something that, like, yes, this is – like, okay, Sketches of Brunswick East is probably my prime example of that because they are doing kind of an improvisational jazz, new jazz kind of sound – and I think it's cool that they tried it, but if I were going to listen to jazz, it wouldn't be this album. Like, I wouldn't go seeking out Sketches of Brunswick East as my example of, oh, this is, like, cool modern jazz. It's just their take on jazz. You know what right. I mean? Like, so I feel like Infest the Rat's Nest, I think that's a fair way to kind of categorize that as well. I mean, that's kind of how some of them are. Some of them are just, I mean, Paper Mache Dream Balloon is kind of like that. Right. I mean... It's, it doesn't fit into what you think their sound is, mm-hmm. but it's a really great album, you know? And if you're thinking about, I don't know, art pop or something of that nature, I mean, you would go to Montreal of Montreal before you went to that album every sure. time. Sure, If that's what you're thinking of, you that's know? Fair. But that album is really good and fits in there, like, quite well. I think that, I mean, that album is, I was really, I think when I listened to him, that was the first album I listened to. Gotcha. Like, for this, for, in preparing for today. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever listened to it before, all the way. I hadn't listened to it all heard... before until this week. Yeah, Technically so, today, really, but... Yeah, so when I did, I was like, well, that's not what I expected at all. This is different. And so sure. I was like, well, this is not going to be what I am what I thought about any of it. Right. Well, you know? I don't think... I think that's the problem. You could have started anywhere, and you wouldn't have really known where you were going, you know? No. Like, I, star- I started with Flying Microtonal Banana, and I was like, you know, this does sound like kind of what they're doing now, so maybe this is kind of like, you know, the, the, the underlying feature of their music. And then it's just not, because none of it is, you know? Like, everything just kind of goes where it wants, but uh, I-, I don't know how they do it the way that they do, like... Because it all kind of goes together, too, Yep. But yeah. Uh, so are you aware of the story of Murder of the Universe? Like the uh, actual like story within the concept album? I'm aware of it. You're yes. aware of it, yeah? Do I know a lot about it? No, I am aware of the, of the concept, though. Okay. So let me try and break this down as quickly as I can uh, without taking up all of our time. So it's a three-part story all kind of wrapped up in the same gizverse which is something that people now refer to as this kind of conceptual uh world that king gizzard are kind of putting their music within uh so in the first chapter 
which is called The Tale of the Altered Beast. There is a guy who sees this half-man, half-bear creature, uh, and then this half-man, half-bear creature starts chasing him. And then the the album is basically just him, like, saying that he sees it. He's afraid that it's coming for him. He doesn't want to be, but then does want to be altered by this beast. And then the two merge together and go insane because they have two consciousness within the same body and then just dies and withers away. Chapter one. Chapter two, uh, the Lord of Lightning versus Balrog. Pretty straightforward. The Lord of Lightning is this like evil wizard who uh, shoots a bunch of humans with lightning bolts from his fingers, accidentally creates a Balrog, which is based on uh, the character from Lord of the Rings that Gandalf fights and says, you shall not pass. And he kills the Balrog. Full story number two. However, story three is easily the most fascinating thing I've ever heard of in my entire life within a concept album. Are you prepared? It's the best story. I've, so you remember you do remember the story then? Oh yeah, enough? I love "Murder of the Universe" is my favorite song in the whole album. That's that's fair. That's fair. I love it. I uh, love I love the talking. It's pretty good because they switch the narrative because they use a certain narrative device in the first and second chapter, and then it switches to this kind of like weird robotic voice, which is well, yeah, they, Hantumi. They did, Go ahead. They did a text to speech. Yes application to, did, yeah. to do the lyrics on that section of it what a, what a concept but of course that sounds like them oh it's phenomenal because it's like cold and not human right the entirety of the you know for like 15 minutes it's, it's pretty just... yeah that third <laughs> that third chapter is pretty odd uh so this is hantumi and the murder of the universe which is where we've now fast forwarded to the future we're in a, a desolate world where everyone has been turned into machines. And Hantumi is the final human, fully human-born uh, individual who then is converted into a machine. Uh, it drives him insane, and he decides that the only way to attain his uh, humanity back is by vomiting. Because vomiting is something that a machine cannot do. Yep, just vomit and die. Yep, and so he creates a soy protein munt machine, which is built for the explicit purpose of vomiting. But the machine hates that it is vomiting. It can feel the vomit in its throat, hates the feeling of it, doesn't want this, and it hates Hantumi, who also is then infuriated with the machine he's created. He then plugs himself in the machine, alters together with it, just like from the first chapter, and then uh, he abuses the power because he's so excited about the fact that he can vomit that he doesn't stop and then engulfs the entire universe in his vomit and ends the universe by well, vomiting. It's because he – so, right, like he attempts to merge with the machine so that he too can vomit. Right. Because, it, because the machine doesn't like him. And then things just get all wild, just like they did in – the first section. Right. Where everything loses control. And it explodes. It all just explodes. And spews vomit everywhere. Infinitely. Yep. It's and phenomenal. that's and that's the concept of the album, which is that's why it. Murder of the Universe is totally my favorite King Gizzard album. Because not only does it have an exceptional flow, not only does it sound crazy... But it also has like the most interesting story ever. So like, yeah, I'm pretty into it. Yeah, I love Murder of the Universe because it, it's the one I, like I have on vinyl. It, actually, the only one. Oh, really? The only one I have on vinyl. I never purchased one, even though I ought to. Is one I received in the uh, my VGR. Nice. Patreon which one package, did you get? Which is it was the it was Trunky Shrapnel, which is the live one that they released uh, last year. It was a special pressing of it though, which is the title is taken from Murder of the Universe. That's pretty Chunky cool. shrapnel spews everywhere. So that makes sense now. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool album. It's live and then also has some unreleased stuff that was like done over the course of 2020. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. But uh I love Murder of the Universe. I like that it it's a spoken word song. Yeah. And uh, but the spoken word is just a robot. And that's why it's spoken word, because robots also can't sing. That's that is true. And it would be very difficult <laughs> to get a, a vomiting robot to sing you a song. <laughs> yeah it's phenomenal it's a great song yeah 
I feel here's the thing is that like we're we're starting to turn into a full on uh record roundtable episode for this one, I which know. is of course we would, of course we would. Um, but I'm not sure. Is there anything? Because obviously we you know we have to cover seventeen different styles of music within you know a short period of time, so it makes sense that it'd be very difficult to get through the whole process. I don't even know if we've really like covered who's in the band very well. There's seven guys. Only one has left at this point in time. And so now it's a six piece. Uh, they've yep. collaborated with people. Uh, they've got a lot of music. If you're looking for uh, something to listen to, they've probably got something, you know, like, but we yep. can talk. We can They'll talk definitely her. have something yeah, I for you so. to listen to. I don't, I really don't doubt that unless, I mean, the only realm they don't cover is like, full out like modern pop and hip hop. Right. Pretty much everything else is, is fairly close to covered. They, they've covered a pretty solid amount of stuff. And I wouldn't be surprised when we get our King gizzard and lizard wizard hip hop album. I won't, I won't be surprised when they do anything next. I don't, I don't have any expectation, you know? Yeah. So. I, that would surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the other thing too, like, cause I mean, you no, know, honestly, here's the thing though. Why did we not let's do this now? Why did we not play a little bit of Murder of the Universe when they're doing the robot narration so we can hear a little what, bit of it? What are we doing? Why don't you play it? Why don't we do that? You you said you like the the actual the, the closing track of Murder of the Universe. So let's do that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I love that song. This batter becomes a spray, the spray becomes a stream, and the stream becomes a waterfall. Munt is finally cascading from my input. The creeping sick moves from my breath and into my heart, where it is pumped to every inch of my body. I feel it snake through the knots of my deepest veins and eats through the walls of my cells. It leads through the pores of my skin and it smells good. It drops from my crouch onto the floor. Some odd stuff there. I think the funny thing is, too, for me, is that, like, I originally listened to this album. I didn't know this story. Like you don't get the right. full story just listening to it like one, two, three takes because it's just so obscure and strange that you have to like sit down and really read about what's going on to like, oh, okay, I could see how this lyric ties into this part of the story and that makes this narrative make sense. And yeah, so right. Yeah, I also I'll tell you what that song reminds me of. Part of why I like it is because it reminds me of Flight of the Concords. Oh yeah. Just like the ridiculousness of it to an extent. I could see and, that. It uh, is it is pretty ridiculous. They've got a song called The Humans Are Dead where they are supposed to be robotic being, beings in the future who have killed all of the people. Well, yeah, that would cover that, wouldn't it? Yep. So that would certainly that's what I'm reminded of. And I love and I like that Fly the Concord song. So this song makes me feel good about it. Yeah. Makes sense. Is there anything that like we just absolutely have to cover with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard at this point, or do you think we've efficiently, to the best of our ability, uh, condensed their story into thirty-three minutes? We've done pretty good. I think we should mention uh, Nonagon Infinity uh-huh. because it's like it's their most uh, critically successful album. I think. Yes, that would be. They won awards for it, and it's it's an album where. Every it's like Dark Side of the Moon, except perhaps a little more sly. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, all of the songs run together and even the end track runs right back into the first track. Yes. So it could just be played on an infinite infinite loop if you really wanted to. That is true. That is true. That's I mean, that is worth like, that's why I was like like I could come in here and say like, yeah, I like some of their music, but like you don't really have a concept, unfortunately, unless you just like literally dig in like you literally have to just dig in and say like all right i've heard it all now i think i know i think i finally have an understanding of king gizzard and the lizard wizard enough right yeah i mean you just gotta you just gotta do it yeah that's all i can tell you really say that's all you gotta do you just gotta do it you just gotta do it let's uh let's go ahead and start talking about the jesus lizard I, i i'd like to think that they're uh slightly more limited discography should make it a little bit easier
I feel like Jesus Lizard may be the most up your alley group we've ever covered on Good Band, Bad Band specifically. Maybe. What if we we've done something? We've done. We many did things. Slint. Yeah, Slint is so totally that's up hard. Your alley. That's hard to top. Yeah, I They're mean, pretty good. Jesus Lizard's pretty good. It's more like really just like a this is one of your favorite groups. It's more like Jesus Lizard literally came up in your like favorite kind of era of like you know the 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 switch into the post hardcore realm of like the Fugazi yeah. like like that like Steve Albini transition into that world. That's kind of like your niche area. You know what I mean? That's like my that's my zone. Yeah. Big black through it through it all. Exactly. Yeah. And obviously Jesus Lizard is so within that same big black, you know, shellac, so on. Yeah, board. they're like they're yeah. noise rock that's not just noise rock. Right. You know? Like it's it's noise because nothing has to be I don't know, wholly rhythmic or whatever, but right. it's not just a bunch of sludge. It's not it's well contained noise. Like I mean Nub yes. is the one that we just started with and like, you know, it's it knows what it's trying to do. It has a not a formula but a format and you know, when they're doing noise cuz like so one thing that's worthwhile to notice not not that it's not, you know, there's not other things obviously going on, but like the vocalist uh, of Jesus Lizard David Yao is a very interesting style of vocalist because he's not really like singing at all you know like he's just literally just yelling he's just yelling uh, almost incoherently which is the like one of the aspects of it being noise but it still feels like it has almost a melody to it maybe Mm -hmm. like there's it's just the whole thing just sounds very alien uh in a lot of ways but in a cool noise rock kind of way it's just very weird yes in a way because it also even though even though like almost everything that's involved in the in the music is more textural than it is like melodic it still takes like a lot of cues from rock of the 70s into the 80s yeah in terms of the guitar work and stuff like that which is kind of like interesting well i mean that's and that's where it's like it sits on this area of in between things yeah you know so but yeah, I feel like because again, like you know, they're obviously from that same era that we're talking about, and of course, of course, of course, Jesus Lizard during this period, if they're making noise rock, of course they've done something with Albini. You know, like if it's the you if it's to. the early '90s and you're making noise rock, if you're not talking to Steve Albini, then where are you? Like, what are you doing? I mean, you have to, especially because they. I mean, on their first, the first release that they had, whether it was an EP, it must have been an EP. Uh huh prior to the release of, of head they used a drum machine right it's like how close to big black are you gonna get it doesn't before you're... yeah it doesn't get a lot so. closer and uh, the other thing too in this era as well which of course albini worked with this group as well which is kind of the crazy part to think about how the jesus lizard is like pretty relatively unknown in pretty much every sphere of music is that they had a split with nirvana in right. 93 not like a like oh you know who is this like group band like in ninety three they had a split yeah, with split Nirvana single. so like how did how did that not lead to more is kind of the way you'd think but it didn't obviously because you know they're not they didn't have the same kind of hook element at all as what uh, Nirvana did no. obviously I mean it's but. just the interesting thing about that split is it's like. Jesus Lizard is still in the underground. And Nirvana is like one foot in each. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So, but it's just like tying back into where it came from to begin with. And I think that even, I mean, Jesus Lizard got on to Capitol Records. They signed to Capitol Records. Now, they didn't really do anything on it. And, And honestly, the albums that they released that people would know if they know them like their big albums were albums that were on touch and go right so they weren't even albums that are on capital but i think the label was like hey remember what happened to nirvana let's just like do this with other underground bands you right know what i mean <laughs> and pushed them out there but they we didn't realize that like give it a shot now and it's like uh well 
Uh, yeah, it's a different it's a different world when you're in like the area that Big Black and Jesus Lizard and Shellac and all of those people are in. Like it's not yeah. like it's not Nirvana like at all. It's a, it's a different place. It is very much. So. And I mean there's a, obviously like, you know, an Albini who of course was in that era of time saw something in what Nirvana was doing in terms of noise. But yeah, it's not like you, you can't necessarily say, let me just take another one of these noisy acts and see if I can recreate the magic that we had just a few years ago. Right. But good try. Good try. Have you seen a Jesus lizard, by the way? I have seen them. I think they're adorable. I think this is an important. They run on the water. They're little guys. I've yeah. seen. I don't remember where I saw them. I saw somewhere. I've seen it like an intro to something. Where there's one running on it's the It's probably water. one of those like uh, Earth documentary things that Morgan Freeman narrates. Must be. It seems like something that they would do that with. Uh, while we're talking about animals really quick, I'm going to go. Because we spent a lot of time in the serious, serious world. So let's spend just a little bit of time in the silly, silly, fun world. Okay? All right. David Yao is an interesting guy. Yeah. Have you? Did you look into some of David Yao just in general? Not a whole lot. So but I know he's I know he's interesting. I listened to a little bit of the 2015 album that he had released on Joyful Noise. I listened to a couple of songs on it. His his solo album? Yeah. Did you see how he pressed that? Yeah, it was and I think that that's a mixture of him and Joyful Noise being willing to do weird things cuz they do do sure. more interesting stuff like that cuz I've gotten some interesting stuff from them like that. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was Delivered to the door of people's homes in a concrete monolith, which he made. Yeah, there's a there's a mini documentary of him just like like slinging concrete and just making these like monoliths and putting the records in between. It's a whole process, and of course, Joyful Noise put out the video. Like they, oh, yeah, of course they did. They were the ones who wanted to put it out, but like, what on earth? I mean, it makes sense that, like, if you're a weirdo that you would want to do something weird with your solo album, especially when it's a case, like, when he said he was, he you're said not he that was known. Out. So, like, you know, like, if you've got a thousand copies, there's probably about a thousand people who want to buy it. So might as well go all in on the thousand people who are going to buy it. Yeah. He said that he had been working on that album for 15 years. Really? Yes. Wow. I mean, it makes, it this, they came up in the ordeal. 90s, obviously, and so now we're talking this came up, you know. 2013, I believe. Right, so right out, you know, if he was working on, like, 98, then, yeah, kind of puts it there. Did you listen to any of it then? You said that you did? I listened to a couple of songs from it because I was like, let's see how it is. And it's, yeah. it is um, not what you would think it would be. Right. I'll say that because it's, it's – it, it is a – um, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's not like a regular. It's like a composition. It's like a. It's kind of like modern classical. Yeah, I could see that. In a way, it's like parts of it. It's not like a pop album or a rock album, or it's just a noises album. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's in with other things, if it's in with other things in the realm of like, what can you use to make sound? Right. But it's weird. I listened to a little bit of the opening suite, not all of it. Cause it's almost 11 minutes long. It's pretty long. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to, I didn't listen to the full album. The only, again, I did listen to 14 King Gizzard albums, so I could only do so much, but the only full uh, album that I listened to them was Goat, which is, you know, their most well-known, if you want to call it well-known album, so. Sure. But I've yeah, heard I a little bit of their other stuff of... elsewhere, but, you know. Goat I listened is really to Head as well. So. Did you listen to Head as well? Yeah. That makes sense. Um, the other thing about, so there's two other things that are worth mentioning about old David Yao, Okay. I mean, there's other, but this is definitely some of the, the most. Because he's, he's been in a lot of other groups. All of the guys from uh, Jesus Lizard have been in other groups. Right. They've all kind of, like, been within kind of the exact same scene. Like, uh, you know, Sims, who is the guitarist, and him were initially in a band called Scratch Acid. Mm -hmm. He's also a part of Rape Man. Yeah, which was an Albini post-Big Black mm -hmm. outfit. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, they, they've performed with just a, a bunch of other stuff, but you know, so that's something obviously that's important about him, but he also, I don't know if you knew this, did you know he, he has been in films? Yeah. I, I read that he had decided to be an actor. I didn't, it didn't mention what okay. he was in, but I did see nothing in particularly, uh, in a particularly interesting realm, except for one very, very strange. I don't know how this happened. Collaboration. Okay. He was featured within the film Big Money Rustlers, which is the uh, the Western comedy by the Insane Clown Posse. Nice. How Quality did he stuff right there? How did he end up there? Miracles. How... <laughs> I just don't understand. In what world would like? The guy from the Jesus Lizard say, hey, Insane Clown Posse, I'd like to be in your Western comedy. In what world did someone let them make a Western comedy? I don't know. That was enough. And then you put the guy from the Jesus Lizard, a noise rock band from the 90s, into the movie? Like, I don't really want to dig because I'm sure there's other things within that movie that would, like, blow my mind. And I don't want to find out what they are. I don't want to find – you know, I'm going to do it. Dang it. I'm going to look at the cast. I'm looking at it. I'm going to find – Ron Jeremy's in it. Oh, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob is in it. Yeah. Ron Jeremy's in it too. Oh, my gosh. This is just – Yep, there's Ron Jeremy. Yep. Ooh, two tough Wait. Tonys in it. Scott Hall? Oh, I thought it was Scott Hall the wrestler. No, it is. No. No, yeah, it two is. Tough Tonys in it. Scott Hall, the wrestler, is the sign guy? What is going on? I don't want to look at this anymore. I have something more fun to talk about, and I can't be thinking about the insane clown posse. Anyways. I'm just going to know. Bridget Nielsen is in it as well, which is quite interesting. <laughs> I can't believe this. Uh, I'm so sad. Them? Here's the thing. is that, that movie came out in 2010. Yeah. How? How? I don't know. They weren't relevant at all in 2010. No. And the people they put in it weren't really relevant in 2010 either. No. And they couldn't have been like fans. They couldn't have been like, oh, yeah, Ron Jeremy's really into insane clown posse. There's no way. Right? Right. Right? It's also. Right? How did they get $1 for the budget? Which really isn't crazy in a film. It's not a lot. It was distributed by a lot Psychopathic, Fontana, and Vivendi. So it's distributed by small distributors. Uh-huh. But do you know what's the most wild thing about it? Oh, here we go. Yes. What's is it? that you can watch it now on Amazon Prime Video with a subscription. Oh, my God. I don't want to watch it. It is available on a streaming service at this very moment. I don't want to watch it. Why is it? Of course it would be I don't Amazon. Have... Amazon will pick up yeah, anything because they want it all. It would be. One of these days, Amazon and now. Disney are going to have like an all-out war. You watch. I bet you I could, I bet you I could watch it on YouTube. It's probably out there. It's probably out there. But I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm Tune gonna... in next week when I let you know if it was <laughs> worth it or not. All right. This uh, this episode is not going to be switching over to uh, – what's, what's that? We're going to be doing a Big Money Rustlers watch-along episode? Yep. That does sound like something we would do. I hate that that sounds like something we would Boom. do. Boom. It's on YouTube. I'm watching the whole thing. Not right now. Maybe later. Hour and a half. Thank you, Bloody Hatchet Entertainment. No copyright intended, they claim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyways, here's the, the other silly, silly fun time thing I've got on David Yao. Okay? So, I don't know how this one happened either. It's maybe weirder in some kind of odd world, but... Uh, did you know that he has a fascination of cats? David, of uh, Mr. Yao? Yeah. I, he loves cats. He, he's a cat lover. He's an avid cat lover. He draws cats. He has an entire compilation book of his cat illustrations. And based on the fact that he loves all of these cats, he interviewed the famous cat Lil Bub. Oh, really? He interviewed uh, Lil ra- ra- Bub. Rip him. David rip Yao... Bub interviewed a cat for AV Club. With the AV Club. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to play a little bit of that interview right now. How you doing? I understand you're from another planet. What planet are you from? 
So, little Bob, when you're uh, traveling around and flying in airplanes, does it bum you out that they move so slowly compared to uh, spaceships? Do you enjoy touring? What's on your tour rider? It's basically just that for three minutes. Just him asking questions to a cat while the cat makes noises. Yeah, but look at that cat make noises. Look at him go. I know. Look, and he's got his, he's got a little tongue out because little Bub is yep. a silly, silly, silly kitty cat. A silly little cat. Can you can you just imagine like in the '90s you say I'm going to start a noise rock act now, and then somehow. Later in your life, perhaps you reach the point of 2014 and you say, I'd like to interview a cat now. What would you like to do, David? Yeah, you've, you've done many things. You've made concrete things. You know who I bet would be really yeah. good friends? Who's that? I think David Yao would probably really get along uh, with, oh my gosh, it's been a couple weeks now, uh, Caspar Baby Pants. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think that David Yao, who interviews cats, would really get along uh, with the guy from the Presidents of the United States of America as he's making little kid songs. He probably would. He could make a whole cat album, and David Yao could illustrate the book. It could be noisy. It could be noisy. I would like a noisy album with Caspar Baby Pants and David Yao. Calling for it now. I'm going to be working on the Kickstarter. Don't steal this from me. This is mine now. I'd like it, please. I've got some little bub news. <laughs> if oh, you're down no. to stay on that, no. for a let's, yeah, let's talk more little bub. This is a little bub episode for a minute. I believe good, little bub is the good band. Go on. I am now watching a video. Sure. Little bub passed away. Yes, uh, rest in peace, little bub. A year, you. a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. Been that long. Mm -hmm. It's wild. Mm -hmm. And he had a good long life, you know. The little bub owner sent little bub into space in a weather balloon. Like he actually not, went to space. Yeah. They used a weather balloon and sent little bub into space. How wild is that? Tyler. Wild. And they did it. Tyler. In Martin County, Indiana. Tyler. What? When I die, I'd like you to put me into a weather balloon. Yeah. I don't think it'll hold you. I want. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> You're just gonna have to break me down into my DNA, a, put me in a spray can, then, and then spray me special, onto a weather balloon, and then put me into the sky. It's a special. This is a specialized ritual that's only allowed for cats. Basically. <laughs> only if my tongue is so, out, though. That's the that's yeah. the deciding factor on if I get to be put in space. I that's I'm jealous. Little bug made it yeah. to space. Made it to space. How do you do? How do? You, what? What a life! What a life! Little Bub lived. He got interviewed by the lead singer of the Jesus Lizard, and now he's in space. It's a what? she, but she's there. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I am did so you know sorry. that? I'm so sorry. No, I forgot. I'm sorry. I feel. I feel terrible, Little Bub. If you're out there, I didn't mean to do this. Did you? Do you know where Little Bub lived? Where Little Bub lived? Yeah. No. Me either. But I think it's. I think we're near it. It must be. I would have said we should go visit. You don't the send your friend to space. All right, in Indiana, unless you're from. Oh, I knew that. Little Bub was in Bloomington. Oh, okay. That sounds like a place in Indiana that that would make sense. There yeah. aren't a lot of Indiana places where that would make sense, but that would be. We've one of them. given something to you, world. A small cat with a cute face, with its tongue out all the time, and big old eyes, and it makes noises. Can we talk about the fact that Indiana has now produced two famous cats? Oh yeah, what's oh Garfield? Yeah, Garfield came no, from one, Muncie. One real life, one animated. Yeah, Indiana's full of sweet know. cats, dude. We cats. Why aren't we branding this as a state? Well, yeah, uh, we need to get rid of the Indy Five Hundred bullshit. Let's start marketing ourselves as the cat people. The cat people. Yeah, we have famous cats. Yeah. We do. We have them. We have two. We should and they're more famous honestly, than any cats that you know. Honestly, what we got to do is like the new Indiana flag needs to be a picture of Garfield with his tongue out. Oh, there you go. That's the one. Did you know Little Bub <laughs> starred in a documentary <laughs> film? A documentary about Little Bub? Friends? 
No. Lil Bub and Friends. No. And do you know where that premiered at? Go ahead. It premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. Can you believe it? <laughs> Who's it in won, it? It won the Tribeca Online Film Festival Best Feature Film. Is Scott, Bub is is Scott in Hall in that one too? Ron Jeremy? Is he in that as well? Let's see. I'm looking right now. It's wild. <laughs> Who's in this? There's got to be There's somebody Lil, in this. Lil Bub, right. his owner, yes. Keyboard Cat. Okay, that makes a lot of it. sense. No lie, Keyboard Cat is in it, and I, Grumpy Cat is in it. This makes... Oh, so they got all the big cats. And Lil Bub was oh, the one who made it happen. Cat. Yes, and it was released you think at it the been Grumpy Film cat. Festival. You think it would have been Grumpy Cat who made that happen, but of course Lil Bub did it. I have got to watch. We've got to watch this film. Apparently, it's amazing. All right. We're doing a watch along uh, of two at the same time. We're going to be watching on one screen. We are going to be <laughs> on one screen. We are going to have Big Money Rustless playing. And on the other screen, the little, little bub documentary. It's going to be wild. It's going to be a wild day. We won't know what to do with ourselves. We certainly won't. I think we'll certainly be torn apart at the soul. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's that's entirely fair. We'll have yeah. to we'll have to really think because what's going to happen is is that you and I are probably going to and unfortunately alter Beast version, King Gizzard style. Those movies are somehow going to envelop each other, go crazy, and then wither away, and we're going to do yeah. the exact same. They're going to so. come. They're going to both movies will join with half of us, and we will scroll together to make. I would like to be one, the little bub, please. I would rather one, not one. be the big money wrestler. No, it's not like that. You, we become one third of each thing. <laughs> one third, you. One third, little bub. One third, ice, ICP. So I have and they can't, half they of can't my reconcile. Half of my face. Is like uh, painted like a clown, and the other face is just a tongue sticking out. Yes, and, and there will be chunky shrapnel all over. Oh no! This we is how the world spewing. ends. This is how the world ends, and I think this is how the episode is. We we have found a hole in the universe. If you sit yourself in a room <laughs> where you are equidistant from two televisions that are at the perfect viewing distance from you. And their speakers of their audio are perfectly in tune to your ears. And you watch on each screen, each of these films. You will be sucked into the void. And you want to know what you see when you get to the void? You, well, you've been there. But do you know what you see? when, when, when What, you, what do you uh, see? It, it's a weather balloon. Oh, with Ooh, a little it takes inside. you to space. Yeah, it takes you to space. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. Let's Let's I get think, her going. Let's get her going. And on that note, I think we probably could have spoke more about Jesus Lizard, but I like where we went. I think we went yeah. the right way. I think we did what we were supposed to do here. I think uh, so. It's just not it, the amount, the things to say are different. There's just not as much diversity. That's true. That's with fair. Jesus Lizard. That's fair. Is that perhaps uh, an informing statement on who you're choosing for this week? I will vote. I will vote for King Gizzard. I will also be voting for uh, King Gizzard. There you go. You thought I was going to vote for uh, I didn't Jesus know Lizard? for sure. I didn't know for sure. It made sense that you picked Gink Gizzard, but again, Jesus Lizard is like, you know, it is pretty up your alley, but both of them are. Yeah. That's why we picked I this. Because like, we're both true. very King Gizzard and Jesus Lizard people. That's true. And Jared would like, not have liked this episode. No. Jared would not have, have liked enjoyed this episode. the little bug part of it. I think he would have. I think you're right. Jared would have been the last third of the little bub big money rustlers combination he would have also yes. had his face in such a, a fashion but yeah uh thanks a lot patreon for not being involved in this one but you know hopefully you enjoyed listening hopefully you learned something about david yao jesus lizard king gizzard uh and of course little bub that's what we're here for that's it pretty much all we're here for really that's why we're here Thanks for tuning in, listeners. Once again, this week we are talking about King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard and the Jesus Lizards. And King Gizzard's uh, the clear winner because we had slightly less participation than normal, but we, we can't complain about that, can we? Make sure to come on back in two weeks where we're going to do another episode. And we're talking about Incubus Driver. That'll be a good one. 
maybe i think i'm pretty sure it will be all three of us should be back so that'll be that'll be fun fun times so make sure to join us come on back see you then I'm cutting this part out, obviously, but like it was like, like I'm blown away at how that worked out the way that it did.